Good morning, Orlando. It is Friday here on the 50,000 watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Filling in for Bud again, this is Yaffe. And I'm Melissa Fox, filling in for Alan Spector. Our top stories this morning. Will the government shut down tonight at midnight? We'll have details coming right up. And we're going to talk about that government possible government shutdown. And my main frustrations with all of this next on Good Morning Owen. 602 on News Radio 93.1. A partial shutdown of the government appears inevitable after President Donald Trump told House Republicans that he will veto any federal spending, spending bill, which does not include funding for a southern border wall, which passed last night, at least the House. He was speaking at the White House during a signing ceremony for the bipartisan farm bill. The president said any funding which crosses his desk is going to have to have that money. And he says it's a matter of national security. At this moment, there is a debate over funding border security and the wall, also called, so that I give them a little bit of an out, steel slats. We don't use the word wall necessarily, but it has to be something special to do the job. Steel slats. Steel slats. The Senate Bill passed slats. Steel slats. It doesn't have the same ring to it. As a wall? Yeah. <laughs> this news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. By the way, a Trump, mm-hmm. he put out a tweet this morning that said, thank you to our great Republican members of Congress. And then he said, soon to be Speaker Nancy Pelosi said last week from the Oval Office that the Republicans didn't have the votes for border security in the House. But today, the House Republicans voted and won 217 to 185. Hashtag nanny nanny boo boo. <laughs> he said, Nancy does not have to apologize. All I want is great border security. <laughs> so he was right about that. Well, in case you were wondering where we we're going to get the money for that border wall, a wounded Florida vet has been, he's raised millions already to help pay President Trump uh, for the border wall. Brian Colfidge, he's from Miramar, Florida. Lost three limbs during his second deployment to Iraq in 2004. And he says, well, if Congress won't fund it, I'll get her done. We are a, law, a nation of laws. We need to enforce these laws. We can't have people coming across our border who are unchecked that we don't know who they are. I mean, we could have another terrorist attack tomorrow. It doesn't take many people to, to stage an attack. Uh, we need to know who's coming across that border. Colfitch says he supports legal immigration to the American melting pot, but says we do need that wall for security nationally. So he started a GoFundMe campaign with the goal of $1 billion to fund the wall. GoFundMe reports it's the largest goal ever started on the site. And since this past Sunday, his campaign has had over 100,000 supporters and has raised over $10 million. I mean, that's a lot of money, but that's a long way from a billion. Well, it's on the way. Colfitch says if the campaign doesn't reach $1 billion, he'll return all the money. Storms are responsible for fires, a tornado, flooding, and just an overall messy day in Polk County. A tornado touched down yesterday morning in Lake Wales. Some roofs were damaged, and a 90-year-old woman was hurt. She's expected to be okay. The EF0 tornado was 30 yards wide and contained winds between 65 and 85 miles an hour. Lightning strikes caused fires in Winter Haven and Davenport and knocked trees and power lines down, but thankfully no major injuries were reported. SpaceX is hoping to launch their rocket finally tomorrow. The launch of the Falcon 9 rocket was scrubbed again yesterday, and as I said, another one is attempted to uh, go off tomorrow. The launch will take place in a 26-minute window starting around 8.55 in the morning. The weather at this moment is 80% go. WFLA News Time 606. A mom was arrested after kids were found home alone watching 
Home Alone. That story's on our website at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. So are we headed to a government shutdown? Well, it looks like it. It looks like it's coming. Now, it's just a partial government shutdown. 75% of the government is already funded through other appropriations bills. Uh, This is about 25% of the government left over, which does include over 400,000 workers. Mm, Including some people at NASA, I believe. Yeah. Although, apparently, from what I understand, that will not stop them from launching the the SpaceX rocket. No, that's covered already. But still, this is going to be a problem. Uh, Yeah, although I don't know if it's as big of a problem as the Democrats like to make it. They make it seem like it's going to be the purge. No. The government shuts down and no. it's chaos. Aren't, dun, isn't dun, isn't dun. everybody off until like the beginning of <laughs> February or something anyway? So, I mean, what's the, <laughs> what's the real worry here? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. So we have Melissa Fox, who is filling in for Alan Spector today doing the news. We have Tom Benson, who is producing, and Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. We are getting ever closer to Christmas, so I'll have to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Now, you are not here. Are we allowed to do that? Uh, It's not a sweeping happy holiday? On this show. Okay. Well, Hanukkah's over, so I can't say Well, no, you got Kwanzaa coming up on the 26th or 28th, something like that. Merry Christmas. Um, The Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying it. So you were not here earlier this week, so I have to ask you. We were talking about favorite Christmas movies. Mine is Die Hard because Mm -hmm. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, my God. Yes, it's always been one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, uh-huh. what is yours? I'm just a fan of you'll put your eye out, you know, Christmas story, the Christmas story. Yep. Yeah. Which as Snopes, Snopes has defined, it's not pulled because of bullying. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. Scott Farkas is still going to be on your TV, TBS all day Christmas. Day. Uh, yeah. I guess there was some rumors going around mm-hmm. that some stations were pulling it because there's bullying in it. What's amazing, even though you debunked it is it was totally believable. Yes. Like, it wouldn't have surprised me if, if it had been pulled the for that snowflakes reason. nowadays, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I had to look because, like you said, <laughs> yeah. it sounded like a valid thing just right along with everything else that's going on nowadays with the snowflakes. You know. Yeah, so don't worry, everyone. I'm offended. Your Christmas, <laughs> your Christmas story will be uh, playing during Christmas. All right, I have to get into my main frustrations over all of this fight over the government shutdown, the wall funding, and everything. I got to take on both sides, actually, when it comes to this. And we will next, and we'll take your calls as well. It is 608 here on Good Morning Orlando. It's amazing to hear uh, a lot of people on the left really upset that Mattis is gone. You would think they would hate Mattis, a strong military leader who wants to crush the enemy and doesn't play games, the left's only upset because it's Trump, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I figured. Okay, so it was not that long ago, just uh, about a week ago, when this happened at the Oval Office. Here it is. I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border but we security. Believe you. So we were all like, yes, President Trump is willing to fight for border security. This was one of his key campaign promises. And then earlier this week, 
Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said this. We're looking at every avenue available to us possible. The president's asked every one of his cabinet secretaries to look for funding that can be used uh, to protect our borders and for the give the president the ability to fulfill his constitutional obligation to protect the American people by having a secure border. So we're looking at the other options. In the meantime, we'll see what the Senate does, and we'll let you know when we have an announcement on that front. So it seemed like then Trump was backing down, that he was not going to fight for border security and even go to the wall, government shutdown for the wall. Well, then yesterday it all changed again after Speaker Paul Ryan and House Republicans, Republican leadership, had a meeting with Trump. And afterward, this is what Paul Ryan said. We just had a very long, productive meeting with the president. Uh, The president informed us that he will not sign the bill that came up from the Senate last evening. Uh, because of his legitimate concerns for border security. So what we're going to do is go back to the House and work with our members. We want to keep the government open, but we also want to see an agreement that protects the border. We have very serious concerns about securing our border. So the president said he will not sign this bill. So we're going to go back and work on adding border security to this, also keeping the government open because we do want to see an agreement. So we're back to the fight, which is good, Which, but I just wish we would have been fighting the whole time, not this back and forth, but it looks like Trump had had enough. He heard all the criticisms from the like of the House Freedom Caucus, from Ann Coulter, from Rush Limbaugh, from a lot of conservatives who were not happy that Trump was not willing to fight for the wall. Trump heard their criticism, and now he is once again willing to fight for the wall. In fact, Trump put out a video on his Twitter page yesterday saying just that. I'm fighting very hard for border security, so important. I've already started building the wall. We built large sections, and we're fixing up a lot of other sections that are a mess. But the fact is, we need the wall. The Democrats know it. Everybody knows it. It's only a game when they say you don't need the wall. You can look at their eyes, and you can say, well, they're not telling the truth. They want to try and do anything possible to hurt us because of the fact it's politics. I understand that. I don't even hold it against them, except you should always put your country first. And they're not doing that. They're putting politics first. We have to build a wall. It will get built. We're going to complete it. A lot of progress has been made. Watch what happens. So there is one thing that I agree with Trump on. It's just a game. To the Democrats, it really is just a game because even the Democrats have admitted in the past they voted for funding for border fencing just a few years ago. And in that meeting with Trump, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer both said that border security is important. They just don't want, quote unquote, the wall. And the only reason they don't want the wall is because they don't want to give Trump the win. That's the biggest reason or They just want open borders, which I think a lot of Democrats do actually just want open borders. So either they just want open borders or they just don't want to give Trump the win. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. Now, the House of Representatives yesterday voted on a bill that approves and provides five point seven billion dollars for President Trump's long promised border wall. It passed two hundred and seventeen to one eighty five. Now, believe it or not, the best tweet I've seen on this so far, one of the best tweets is from Marco Rubio. He used to be pretty weak on immigration, but he's been pretty good lately. And he tweeted this out. He said, Bill passed in the House tonight is reasonable. It has money for two important priorities, 
border security, and disaster relief. No legitimate reason for Dems to shut down the government over this. They voted for $800 billion for Obama's stimulus, but won't vote for $5 billion to secure our border? Marco Rubio is exactly right. He puts the point in. All Trump is asking for is $5 billion. I mean, that's a lot to a person, but to the government, that's not that much. He's literally asking for one thing and not a whole lot of money to fund that one thing. And the Democrats are still saying no. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. I'm going to talk a little bit more about my whole frustration with all of this. And I'm going to play a little uh, Chuck Schumer. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Well, Trump is so far not getting the Christmas gift he wants and that the country needs, and that's funding for the border wall. Well, he got a gift from the House of Representatives who did pass a funding measure, which would give $5.7 billion towards the wall, but it looks like the Senate's going to reject it, and it looks like we're headed towards a partial government shutdown. Now, leave it to Chuck Schumer to make the most of this for his party. This is what he said yesterday. Today's events have made one thing clear. President Trump is plunging the country into chaos. The stock market's down another 500 points. General Mattis is stepping down, and we know he has real disagreements with the president on Syria and on the wall. And now President Trump is throwing a temper tantrum and creating the Trump shutdown. And Leader Pelosi, Leader McConnell, and myself have done everything we can oh, to avoid a shutdown. Oh, they've done everything. But President Trump everything wants Everything they can. No, you haven't done everything you can. You could add $5 billion to the Senate bill, and that would avoid a government shutdown. So, no, you have not done everything you can. But this whole idea that we're plunging the country into chaos, I, I'm, I for one, am terrified. I'm, I'm afraid to leave the studio today, Tom Benson, because it's just going to be chaos out and there. And you know the mainstream media is just going to play that up. It's just such hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Look, it's not good to have a government shutdown, but we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. The sun it's will, not going to be chaos. It's not going to be the purge. The sun will come up tomorrow or today, maybe. <laughs> Most of the country <laughs> won't even notice it, especially since the week, it's the week after Christmas. But here are my main frustrations with all of this this week. One, I have to criticize Trump because the dance by the Trump administration, you know, the back and forth is not helpful. If you wanted to fight this, then fight and continue the fight from the beginning to the end. Don't play this back and forth thing. Um, also, does he want a real wall or now he's saying he wants steel slats? I don't want steel slats. I want the wall. Um, the other thing that's really frustrating me is this all was completely avoidable. There was a chance earlier this year to get a deal to fund the wall in exchange for the Dreamers getting some type of legal status. Mm-hmm. We would have got $25 billion for the wall then, and I think some Democrats would have been on board with that, but it never happened. Part of that's because of the Trump administration. Part of that's because of the Democrat Party. The main thing that frustrates me, though, 
is the Democrats. They are just as much to blame and more to blame for all of this because there is nothing unreasonable about wanting a wall to secure the border. It's not unreasonable to want that. There is a migrant crisis. It is going to get worse. We need border security. Even Democrats have been saying we need border security, but they say the wall is immoral. That makes no sense. It's a type of border security, a wall. You can say, oh, well, maybe it's not as effective, but to say it's completely immoral, it's nonsense. This is all about partisan political gains by the Democrats. And they used to support border security. They voted for fencing not that long ago. It was just a few years ago when they voted for that. They say now they support border security, but their actions are not matching their words. All of this was completely avoidable for those reasons I just stated. All right, Melissa Fox is in the studio. We are going to have uh, the latest news at the bottom of the hour. She's going to talk about the fact that it is the final shopping weekend. I have to go Christmas shopping today because I haven't done any of it. Oh, my God. Yes, I know. We'll talk about waiting to the last minute. You want my <laughs> sizes? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So I want everybody's Christmas list, and they will go in uh, the file that's next to my desk yeah. under the computer. That circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It is 629 here in Good Morning Orlando. 629. So I'm hoping the weather will be a little bit better today than yesterday for, no. I mean, one reason is the... No. The emergency alert system kept interrupting me yesterday yeah. during the show. Well, that's because there was a bunch of tornado and thunderstorm watches and warnings. It won't have that so much today, don't worry. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, that's the main thing. <laughs> okay, and plus we want nice weather today. Well, we're not going to get nice weather today. Uh, unfortunately, millions of Americans who are traveling for the holidays aren't going to get nice weather either. You're going to oh, fight really? really bad weather. See, there's this powerful storm moving up the Gulf Coast. It's mm-hmm. going across the Carolinas. It kind of popped us yesterday, but it's going to continue sliding up the northeast. Forecasters say not a lot of snow, but thunderstorms, heavy rain, fierce winds that'll cause delays or even cancel some flights. That's before the weekend is even over. And then you've got the best chance for worse weather. That would be in New York, Philadelphia, and Boston, where nasty weather is expected to stick around right on through Saturday into the week, uh, rest of the weekend. News is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Shop, shop, Michael Yaffe, until you drop this weekend. <laughs> I have to. It's the last chance for all you Florida procrastinators to buy those gifts before Christmas. Our Sharon Parker reports. It's too late to mail a package for Christmas. Even ordering online is risky. Welcome Super Saturday. <laughs> James Miller of the Florida Retail Federation says this is expected to be a blockbuster weekend for retailers the last few days before Christmas. You're going to see a significant pickup in foot traffic in brick-and-mortar stores, um, and it'll really pick up that last, what we call Super Saturday. So we expect that to be very popular as people go into stores and pick up last-minute items that they can't get shipped in time. Miller says this has already been a big season for retailers with an extra week of shopping this year and holiday spending up at least 5% over last year. I'm Sharon Parker. All right. I uh, just couldn't. All of a sudden, I'm hearing in my ear. <laughs> I'm like, who's talking to me? Is it Sharon? I don't know. It's been a tough week, by the way, for the rocket launches. They're going to try to get the Falcon 9 rocket off the ground tomorrow. Weather and tech problems have repeatedly kept it grounded. Sometime around 8.55 tomorrow morning, we'll have about a 25-minute window. So look for that. Christmas still five days away. Americans have already spent a record $110 billion online this holiday. 
That's according to Adobe Analytics. There's an increase of nearly 18% from last year. WFLA News Time 636. I'm Melissa Fox, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. These stories are more available at WFLAOrlando.com. Time now for the Bloomberg Business Report with Gina Cervetti. All right, and we're going to talk with Gina Cervetti from New York City. And the stocks did not react well yesterday to the possible government shutdown. She has the latest on that and what the futures look like today. So good morning, Gina. Good morning, Michael. And it's much of the same. We've got the stock futures indicating a lower open. Dow futures down about 65 points. So not too bad, but moderate losses there on the futures this morning. And it was another ugly day on Wall Street yesterday. The S&P and the NASDAQ each fell 1.6%. The Dow tumbled 2% or 464 points. The Bloomberg Orlando index was down about one and three quarters percent. Investors are concerned about a number of things, as you mentioned, the possible partial U.S. government shutdown, renewed U.S.-China trade tensions. That's always seems to be lurking in the background. Investors this week also wanted a softer tone from the Fed, and they didn't really hear it. Meanwhile, the White House is seeing more personnel turnover. And finally, Michael, today we get the final assessment of third quarter GDP in the U.S. A lot of attention will be focused on that. All right, and the farm bill that was just passed, a legalized hemp, but that's not the end of the story. No, it's not. The FDA says now that it plans to figure out how it will oversee an expected explosion in products containing the compound CBD. Now that hemp has been legalized, a provision in the farm bill struck hemp from a list of federally controlled substances. And that removes a major obstacle for companies like Coca-Cola that are interested in selling CBD-infused drinks. But it will take the FDA time to give companies a roadmap on this. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb says CBD can't yet be used in food and drinks because it's a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical ingredient approved for use in certain drugs. CBD is said to relax users without getting them high. All right, and this uh, next story might make me very sad because I love my pork chops, but <laughs> pork Sorry. prices may be on the rise soon. Why yes. is that? Well, they've been relatively low, but the CEO of Smithfield Foods, the biggest pork producer out there, says the spread of African swine fever in China and Eastern Europe could mean soaring hog prices next year. The way prices went up and spiked in 2014 when a disease spread through the U.S. herd. As pork supplies fell, the prices hit records. He also says a potential resolution of the trade spat between the U.S. and China could further boost prices. Smithfield, like the rest of the U.S. hog industry, is in a heightened state of alert on its farms, wary that African swine fever could come here. All right, so eat your pork tops and bacon now Enjoy it while, while it's you can. still cheap. <laughs> And uh, Melissa was talking about this a little bit, but uh, this weekend is going to be a busy weekend for retailers. That's right. If you've waited to do your shopping out in the stores, you're not alone or even online. Although Black Friday used to be America's biggest single shopping day, Craig Johnson, who is president of Customer Growth Partners, says the final Saturday before Christmas took that title four or five years ago. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, U.S. shoppers are estimated to spend $26 billion tomorrow alone, beating the $24 billion spent on Black Friday. Wow. So um, get your shopping done this weekend and be careful. I have to do the same. I will be shopping this weekend. Gina, thank you so much. Um, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope everything goes well for you up there. 
Thank you. You too. And we'll talk to you again, well, next year. Yes. <laughs> Happy New Year. Indeed. We can say that later. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Gina. Take care. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud here on 93.1 FM. You can also get us on AM 540, or you can get us on the iHeartRadio app. Just search News Radio 93.1 WFLA. We're also on your HD radio. Just go to 107.7 HD3. That's how I listen in my car. So I just gave you that news headline about that horrible story where a retired officer ended up killing his family and then himself. It's a terrible story. But then I saw this yesterday, this story right out of the Tampa Bay Times. It was on the front page on the website. They're using this story already for an agenda against having armed guards in our schools, which in extension is an agenda for gun control. Because a lot of people will not be happy with anything protecting our schools unless we start passing laws banning guns in this country. That's just the fact. Here's the headline from the Tampa Bay Times yesterday. Florida lawmakers mandated armed guards in schools after Parkland. One just killed three people. Says, like many counties, Hillsborough turned to retired law enforcement for security after state lawmakers mandated armed personnel at every school. One of them, Terry Strawn, killed three family members and himself on Wednesday. So there was a state law passed after the Parkland shooting that said that public charter and elementary schools were required to have armed protection. This was a new state law passed earlier this year. Well, that left a lot of schools scrambling to find something because they didn't have enough police officers to do this. So what they did is they created guardian programs to get armed guards to protect our kids. It's a very reasonable approach. And anyone going through a guardian program goes through a a process, a screening process, and so forth. Well, one of those people was Strawn, who ended up killing his family yesterday. He says Strawn fit the bill. He was a one-time officer of the year who retired two years ago from the sheriff's office after a 25-year career. He passed the required psychological screening this fall and took part at uh, Valrico Elementary, where his six-year-old granddaughter was a student. This is outside of uh, Point City. So Strawn used his handgun to kill his wife, daughter, and granddaughter, and then himself near Point City High School. So... The story goes on to say law enforcement and lawmakers are now grappling with questions after Wednesday's tragedy, many similar to ones they faced after Parkland. Was it a complete fluke, this is what the article says, or was it the unintended result of state lawmakers' decision to employ an armed response to the threat of guns in schools? So now you're going to have more and more people. It's already started with this article, but there's already people in the state, questioning, saying this means we should not have armed guards in our schools because of this one instance. Uh, One person said, Fred Gutenberg, the father of the 14-year-old Parkland victim, Jamie Gutenberg, he tweeted Wednesday night, he said, this also just convinced me that more people in schools with guns is not 
the answer. Do you agree with them out there? 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. Where standard message and data rates apply. Does this mean we shouldn't have any armed guards in school now that we should get rid of the Guardian program? One thing that frustrates me about this is, one, this didn't happen in a school, so there's still no proof that this would happen in schools. Two, this was a retired sheriff's officer who was was a sheriff for 25 years, former officer of the year. That means there's always the possibility he could have done this as a cop. There have been times where cops do bad things, unfortunately, or suffer from PTSD or depression. Does that mean we should get rid of all armed cops? Because, well, one cop did this, so we have to get rid of all armed cops now. Because this is always a possibility. If you're going to follow that logic, you got to follow it to its fullest extent. Obviously, nobody wants to get rid of all armed cops. I shouldn't say nobody. I'm sure there's some on the left who would love cops to be un- unarmed. But to say that this one instance is a time, well, now we should be questioning whether to have armed guards in schools. Here's the fact. You're not going to be able to confiscate all guns in this country. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to ban guns. So because of that, you have to find ways to protect people, especially in our schools, because children are unable to protect themselves. One of the most reasonable ways to do this is to have police there, but to have armed security guards there, just like you would, just like they have in many other places in this country. Sports stadiums, concerts, government buildings, they already have armed security. Should we get rid of all those armed security guards now because one of them could be depressed and could do something really bad? I think going down this road that using this one instance, it's not a good idea. 407-916-5400 and text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Now, the Trump administration did something this week dealing with gun control. That's probably unconstitutional. We'll talk about that next. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So I have to get this out of the way because a texter is badgering me on the text line, Tom Benson. At okay. 23680. He's saying I'm ignoring the fact that the shutdown that I just reported on is Trump's fault because he said Mexico would pay for it. And Mexico's not paying for it, so this is all Trump's fault. I will say on its face, it's not entirely a bad point. He's right about one thing. Trump did promise Mexico was going to pay for it, and so far Mexico is not paying for it. Mm -hmm. Trump tried to spin that some kind of weird way where this new NAFTA deal would pay for it because we're making money. Right. I really think that's a stretch. I don't buy that spin. So the texture, that is not not necessarily a bad point that Trump did promise Mexico would pay for it, and they're not. That being said, I don't put the full blame on Trump because I still don't think it's unreasonable to want border security and to want a wall right now and Republicans support it. And he's only asking for $5 billion. I put blame on both sides of this because I put some blame on Trump because we could have had a deal earlier this year for more wall funding with in exchange for something with the dreamers. So that's, you know, Trump's blame and all that. But the Democrats... They should want border security, too. There's nothing wrong with the wall. They say they want border security, but they they say, oh, a wall is immoral. And that shows me that they're doing this for political games. They want more voters. Yes. Yeah. So so 
I understand what the texture is saying, but I don't buy it completely. All right, um, Tom Benton, we were talking about this story in the Tampa Bay Times mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of suggests that we shouldn't have armed guards in schools because we had an armed guard recently who uh, was depressed, retired sheriff, and ended up killing his family and himself. And he was an armed guard at an elementary school. Now, he did not do this in school or anything. There's nothing has happened in a school so far dealing with this. But you brought up a good point to me over the break. Well, a lot of businessmen usually say uh, to employees or underlings, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. So what does the Tampa Bay Times have as, as a solution? Well, they, big, don't, they big, really bigger don't. Bigger signs that say gun safe zone? Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Because you're right. They really don't have a solution. But we know what the solution is for a lot of people pushing this. Mm-hmm. It's gun control. Oh, sure. That's the only solution they're going to buy is complete gun control. And what a lot of people on the left want, I'll just go on Twitter and follow people on Twitter, you see it, they want a complete ban on all semi-automatic guns in this country. Confiscation and ban of all semi-automatic guns in this country. It's impossible. It's your, You're it's not going to get that. If you have a revolver, you shoot quickly, that's what, semi-automatic, I'd say? Yeah, well, some people say that. But, I mean, there's 300 million guns in this country. You're not going to get rid of them all, and you would create a huge black market if we just all of a sudden started banning guns. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it's not possible politically. It's not going to happen. A better solution right now today is armed guards and possibly armed teachers who are trained and who have a license to carry. I don't think that's unreasonable. Now, there's something else the Trump administration did this week that kind of got a lot of gun Second Amendment lovers' attention. The Trump administration issued a rule banning bump stocks more than a year after the Las Vegas rampage. Um, The Justice Department issued a final rule banning bump stocks, amending current regulations surrounding the devices and making clear that guns with bump stock devices are effectively machine guns. Now, I'm not necessarily against banning bump stocks. Um, You know, there are other ways to make a semi-automatic like a machine gun without using a bump stock. You can talk to any gun experts. There's other ways to do that. The biggest problem I have with this rule is it's unconstitutional to do this by executive order, to do this straight from the Justice Department through regulations. That's not how this should be done. It should be done through Congress passing a law. It shouldn't be done by some kind of order because now you're setting a precedent where we're going to start banning things dealing with guns by executive order. Wait till a Democrat gets in office, takes that precedent. What are they going to ban through executive order? It's not a good move by the Trump administration. I understand why they did it, but I just uh, don't like it. All right, Melissa Fox just walked into the studio, and that means it's almost time to get updated on the latest news at the top of the hour. She's going to talk more about that possible government shutdown and, well, much more. It's 6.58 here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. It is Friday, winter solstice day here Mm -hmm. on the 50,000-watt front porch. Where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. I'm Melissa Fox, filling in for Alan. Our top stories this morning go fund me a wall. Have details on that in just a second. <laughs> and I'm talking to Obamacare expert Phil Kirpin this half hour. We'll get his take on that judge's ruling saying Obamacare is unconstitutional. News Radio 93.1 News Time 702. President Trump will cancel a planned, ho- a planned holiday vacation here in Florida if there is a partial government shutdown, Yaffe. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said that yesterday. 
going on to say he will not travel in a shutdown. Now, Trump had been scheduled to depart the White House today and spend Christmas with his family at his Mar-a-Lago resort. But the prospect of a partial government shutdown impacting roughly 800,000 federal workers grew early yesterday when Trump said he would not sign a temporary government funding bill without money for the border wall. Then the House of Representatives passed a spending measure with border funds last night very late after many senators left Washington on Wednesday after passing a funding bill without wall funds. It's unclear if enough support is in the Senate to clear a 60-vote uh, closure, that threshold for the bill in the border wall funds. Senate Democrats previously said they would not vote on it if it had wall funding. Yep, and they're still saying that. Yes, and many of Trump's supporters expressed concern that without wall funding this week, Trump may never fulfill a 2016 campaign pledge to erect a physical barrier. Metal barriers, beams. What do we, steel beams now? Slats. Slats. The steel slats. Yes. The Democrats retake the uh, the House of Representatives next month, by uh, the way. Speaking of the Senate, Trump's awake and he's tweeting <laughs> already. He said, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell should fight for the wall and border security as hard as he fought for anything. He will need Democrat votes, but as shown in the House, good things happen. If enough Dems don't vote, it will be a Democrat shutdown. House Republicans were great yesterday. So that's mm-hmm. Trump this morning on Twitter. The news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The man who started the GoFundMe page for the border wall said he didn't mention his previous projects because he didn't want them to be a distraction. Are you familiar? You're giving me that look. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. Brian Colfage is a wounded vet. Now, he's raised millions already for the wall through his viral campaign. NBC News says his GoFundMe page does not mention, however, his most recent business venture, a Facebook page called Right Wing News. In October, right-wing news was pulled off Facebook along with hundreds of other pages that were using fake accounts to drive traffic to their websites and were accused of misleading people. Colfidge also ran affiliate sites from right-wing news that pushed false conspiracy theories. He told NBC News he didn't mention these previous ventures because they're a distraction and his personal issues have nothing to do with building the wall. He also said the border wall GoFundMe is not just a publicity stunt. You know, this is the United States and we can do anything we want. And if people want to donate to that wall and give their money, they can do it. I mean, what's 80 bucks for 60 million people? The common person can give that kind of money. Some sheriffs in Florida say the mandate to staff schools with armed defenders is a bad idea. Highlands County Sheriff Paul Blackman suggests it's not a teacher's place to carry guns and that people want to see children protected by law enforcement. The recommendation to arm educators came out of a state commission investigation of the Parkland school shooting. Sheriffs in Hamilton, Hardy, and Levy counties also told the Tampa Bay Times they think law enforcement officers should guard schools, not the teachers. But there aren't enough of them. To do it, hasn't that been the problem that there's been kind of a gap to get enough law enforcement officers to guard the schools? Yes, we'd have to add more employees and then it comes up yeah. to the tax. And yeah, it's it's actually a very difficult way of going about things. But then again, do we arm our teachers? Is there their responsibility as well? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I'm scared to see a teacher in that situation. All right. Well, what's his take on that? <laughs> WFLA News Time 706. <laughs> A bad Santa ripped off his beard and swore at kids at a, an event in England. But that story and all kinds of stuff is on our website, WFLA Orlando. Let's go ahead and kick things off for the second hour. That's you, buddy. That's you. Go ahead. You can just do that. Okay. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. What just a couple days before Christmas, Tom Benson's already on vacation. Everyone's just having a 
having a good time. <laughs> it's all good. We got Melissa Fox. Thank you so much sure. for giving us uh, the news. We have Tom Benson producing and Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. So wasn't that long ago, just a week ago, when a judge in Texas ruled that Obamacare is unconstitutional. Um, he says because basically we've gutted the the mandate because we made the tax to zero. The Republicans did that through the tax bill. He says without that, this whole thing is unconstitutional. So what does that mean? What does that mean next? A lot of Republicans aren't too happy because they think it's... um not going to go anywhere another court's going to end up overruling it but i have a get i have an expert coming on a guest coming on who i've talked to before on the show is really good with obamacare stuff he's from americancommitment.org um well-known political commentator his name's phil kirpin and he has talked about the solutions around this but i also want to get his take on the judge's ruling and whether he thinks the judge was right and what will happen next in the appeals court and what will happen in the Supreme Court. We'll also probably get his take on other political things going on right now. So we're going to get to that next. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So there was a Texas judge a week ago who made a pretty shocking ruling to a lot of people, even Democrats and Republicans, that Obamacare is unconstitutional. Now, he came to that ruling because Republicans in the tax bill put got rid of the penalty if you didn't buy health insurance, the individual mandate. It was considered a tax before, and they just put the penalty at zero dollars, effectively getting rid of it. This judge says that because they got rid of that, the rest of the that was the main part of the bill and the rest of the health care bill is unconstitutional. The Affordable Care Act. I wanted to get uh, Phil Kirpin on. We've talked to him before on the show, and he's really good on Obamacare stuff. And I wanted to get his take on what's going on with this and what happens next. This is Phil Kirpin from AmericanCommitment.org. And, Phil, I really appreciate you coming on with me this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be with you. So what did you think of the judge's ruling? Well, I think it's a... uh it's a pretty well-crafted decision. Uh, I think that the uh, the genius of it is that it sort of takes uh, John Roberts' ruling in, in NFIB versus uh, Sebelius, the original Obamacare yeah. case, and it says, "Well, um, you know, let's take let's take Chief Justice Roberts at face value. He says that the mandate itself is unconstitutional, but he applies a saving construction." Uh, which reinterprets it as a tax, uh, well, you can't do that if there's no penalty anymore. If the penalty's been cut to zero, the mandate has to sort of stand on its own. The Supreme Court's already said that on its own it's unconstitutional, and so the question is, uh, can you sever it? Can you strike down just that, or do you need to strike down the whole law? And that's probably the uh, the weakest part of the decision is the severability analysis. It seems to me that uh, that's going to be tough to survive on, on appeal. The mandate itself, um, I think, is pretty clearly unconstitutional. I do think that's going to be struck down. But, you know, if you strike down the mandate when the penalty is already zero, that doesn't really have much of an effect on anything. And so the, the, uh, the question, I think, for the appeals will be the, 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 uh, you know, the severability analysis, whether the rest of the law can stand without the mandate or not. And uh, as a policy matter, the mandate never really worked. Uh, it taxed a lot of people. A lot of people were paying the penalty, but it never really worked uh, to force people to get insurance. It wasn't really a uh, high enough penalty relative to the outrageous right. prices of Obamacare. And so, you know, I, and and if you look, 
All the uh, people who said, oh, my God, you know, the Democrats, when Republicans were getting rid of the penalty, they said, oh, my God, if you get rid of the penalty, all the healthy people will drop out and premiums will skyrocket and all this kind of thing. In fact, uh, premiums for 2019 in, in Obamacare on average nationally are down for the first time ever. Uh, they were up 20, 30, 40 percent every single year under Obama. Trump has sort of stabilized it and made it voluntary. And so now you've got a lot of non-Obamacare choices that are much, much less expensive, 50 to 80 percent less expensive. And Obamacare itself, for people who still want it, who either have pre-existing conditions and can't get other plans or uh, people who qualify for large subsidies, whatever the reason might be, people who want Obamacare, um, it's actually stable. The premiums are down a little bit. And so it's very hard, I think, to argue uh, that the mandate was so central, so necessary, so integral to Obamacare that you can't have the rest of the law without it because uh, we have the rest of the law without it right now with the penalty set at zero and uh, none of the uh, calamities we were told would happen without the mandate have in fact occurred. And so I think that um, more than likely uh, this decision will be reversed on appeal. The The question I think is if it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, how's John Roberts going to is he going to admit he was wrong? Is he, yeah. he had it all it's wrong in the point. last decision, and now uh, now it can stand for other reasons. And so I think the uh, I'm not as hopeful on that. I feel like how does Roberts how does Roberts get out of his own twisted reasoning <laughs> from last time? I feel like he would find a way for some reason. No, he will. I mean, look, the the, the best decision, the best line uh, on this whole question of you know, was the Supreme Court ever going to strike down Obamacare? Was uh, there's a Scalia line in the second Obamacare Supreme Court case, King v. Burwell, and, and Scalia said, I, I don't have it in front of me, so this is not exact, but it's pretty close. He said, you know, the normal rules of statutory interpretation are irrelevant when it comes to the Obamacare law. The overriding principle of the Roberts Court is to save Obamacare no matter what. And I think Scalia was right about that. So I have no, uh, I have no illusions that the Supreme Court's going to strike a blow against Obamacare, even though Roberts is going to have to basically reverse his whole decision uh, from the NFIB case if this one actually gets there. But he'll, he'll find a way to, to save it. Well, the question is then, are we stuck with Obamacare forever? Well, you know, I think, I think it's very unlikely that we're going to actually repeal it. And that's unfortunate because Republicans promised that, you know, yeah. year after year after year after yeah, year. They did. year. But uh, but what they did, which is kind of the next best thing, and I think politically might actually be even better than repeal, is what they did is they made it voluntary. Uh, you know, if you don't want to be in Obamacare anymore, uh, you don't have to be, and there's no penalty for that. And there are a lot of other non-Obamacare choices coming back on the market, many of which are much, much more affordable. And so by repealing the mandate, uh, Congress really gave the Trump administration an opening uh, to deregulate and bring back a lot more choices and options. And uh, it seems to be working pretty well so far, and we're going to see even more of that over the next couple of years. The problem is when you can't get it done legislatively and you have to rely on executive branch deregulatory actions, uh, the next Democratic administration can reverse that and take those choices away and force everyone back into Obamacare. And so I think policy-wise, uh, we're in pretty good shape in terms of finally having more choices and more affordable choices coming back. Uh, my fear is that it won't last into the next administration if we get a Democrat. Yeah, it's a good point. We're talking with Phil Kirpin, who is uh, the president of AmericanCommitment.org. Um, Phil, can you hang on with us for one more segment? I want to get your take on this whole government shutdown madness. Okay. All right, put you on hold, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, and this is Michael Yaffe filling in for Bud. We're talking with the president of AmericanCommitment.org. I would recommend following him on Twitter 
as well. Phil Kirpin, he's at Kirpin, K-E-R-P-A-N. And Phil, I wanted to get your take on this possible government shutdown. Do you think we're headed towards a shutdown? Well, it looks that way. The um, you know the Senate sort of tried to jam the House as they like to do. They passed the uh, continuing resolution with no funding for the wall, uh, and then they said, "Well, we're going to leave." <laughs> and the yeah. House said, "Yeah, I don't think so." And uh, what the House did at the president's urging is they added 5.7 billion dollars uh, for the wall to that bill. Uh, they also added some disaster relief money, and uh, they passed it late last night. Uh, it was a um, 217 to 185 vote. Zero Democrats voted for it. Uh, eight Democrats, uh, eight Republicans voted against. So it was pretty much a party line vote. They sent that back to the Senate. Now the Senate today is going to have to deal with that House bill um, unless they change the rules of the Senate, which some Republicans have suggested. Um, it's going to fail today because Democrats will be able to block it under the current rules, the filibuster rule. You need 60 votes uh, to pass a bill. So unless they change the uh, filibuster rule, the nuclear option, uh, looks like Democrats will be able to block it, uh, block the House bill um, because of their opposition to wall funding in the Senate today. And then we'll probably get to uh, midnight, and uh, this will be the smallest shutdown we've ever had because yeah. most of the federal government's already been funded. They've passed a lot of the funding bills, and so this is this would be <laughs> – uh, a government shutdown that's limited to the Interior Department, the Department of Homeland Security, a few other departments uh, that were not yet funded. Uh, and the question will be what it always is with these shutdowns, who gets blamed, who feels the pressure, you know, who ends up sort of coming around to the other side's point of view. Um, and, you know, the media always blames the Republicans, and so I'm sure they'll do that. Uh, but, you know, we had an, we had an immigration-related government shutdown earlier this year when Chuck Schumer uh, forced a shutdown over the uh, DACA issue, and he ended up caving a few days later. And so I think that, that the outcome of this will largely be determined by public opinion and who the, uh, you know, who the American people sides with on this whole question of funding the wall. And, uh, you know, it, that's a little bit unpredictable, even though all the media yeah. says, of course, the Republicans will lose. It doesn't necessarily work out that way. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's funny you said it's uh, one of the smallest government shutdowns we've ever had, and yet Chuck Schumer yesterday was saying Trump is plunging the country into chaos with all of this, and nothing like hyperbole from Chuck Schumer, right? Well, you know, <laughs> that's what I would expect from him. I, I, <laughs> right. the, the, the departments that are affected are Homeland Security, uh, Transportation, Interior, State, and Justice. So it's not nothing, but uh, it certainly is not. Uh, it's not the Defense Department. It's not. You know, I mean, and even in any shutdown, Social Security checks are unaffected, even though they try to scare people about that. And of course, you know, the difference between uh, this shutdown and the Obama shutdowns is Obama wanted it to hurt as much as possible. Wanted the American people to really appreciate their government. Well, so, I mean, he blocked you know, he national and blocked, yeah. <laughs> you know, open air memorials. He put up barriers around the World War II memorial. Uh, President Trump will not do that. President Trump will do the opposite. He'll send the unionized government bureaucrats uh, home that we don't need, and, and he'll make sure you know, the services and things that the American people actually use and need are designated as essential and, and stay up and running, uh, I would expect. It just seems so nonsensical to me that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are saying that the wall is immoral, but both of them in that meeting with Trump said that we need border security, we need stronger border security. So what's wrong with the wall? 
Well, and they both voted for the wall in, in uh, 2006, I think it was. Yeah, fencing. They voted for but... the, well, they voted for the Secure Fence Act. I guess you could say they're for a fence but not a wall, but we're really I mean... sort of parsing. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, that's angels on the head of a pin at that point, especially because the president has said – uh, you know, if they're opposed to a to a solid concrete barrier, he'll he can do it with steel slats as long as it's impenetrable. And if they want to call that a fence, it's fine with him. Uh, but but you know that that shockingly that does not satisfy them now. So you said earlier that they could change the Senate rules. I mean, is there any precedent for that for doing that with a spending bill like this? Now they've only done it. They've only done it for judges and nominees. Right. Uh, Harry Reid did it first, and then Republicans extended it uh, for the Supreme Court. It's never been done uh, for legislation, the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Steve Daines, the senator from Montana, is suggesting that this is important enough that they should do it. And so you got at least one senator who's calling for that. Of course, you know, to change the rules, you'd need to have a majority. So you'd need to have two majority votes: one to change the rules, and then one to pass the House bill. And so that would be uh, pretty heavy lift when you only have 51 Republicans to get a majority for changing the rules so it looks like uh, we're headed to a long weekend when it comes to this stuff it seems like well but you know i'm hoping that if they've got to stick around anyway dealing with the shutdown uh maybe they'll get some of the 400 presidential nominees that have been stalled in the senate confirmed uh before they leave which the judicial nominees yeah, especially the judicial nominees. It would be great to see them process some more of those because uh, Chuck Schumer has gone back on his previous word and said that Democrats will not agree to unanimous consent on any of the district judges. They had originally said they would agree to a large package of non-controversial ones, but now the liberal groups have sort of pressed on them. And so uh, it looks like we're not going to get a package of judicial nominees here at the end. So it would be nice to get as many as possible through uh, with confirmation votes. Uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years with what's going on in the House and Senate with Democrats controlling the House and Republicans controlling the Senate. And Democrats are going to try to obstruct Phil Kirpin from AmericanCommitment.org. I really appreciate you coming on with us this morning. All right. Have a good one. You too. We have uh, Melissa Fox coming in at the bottom of the hour as well. She's going to talk about the latest news, including Trump approving that farm bill and drinking during the holidays. D-A-Z-E. <laughs> it is 7.30 on Good Morning Only. <laughs> Sorry, I felt like I was having a, a hoedown there for a second. Well, I was about to say, you are going to talk about the farm bill, Woo! so <laughs> this music almost fits that. Almost. <laughs> oh, my goodness. President Trump's put his signature on a sweeping farm bill, by the way, Yaffe. It's a measure that provides billions of dollars in agricultural subsidies, and many mm-hmm. farmers and ranchers have been hit hard, you know, with the U.S. trade war with China. Meanwhile, Trump, he he went on about these new federal rules for people who receive food stamps. Under this new rule, able-bodied adults without dependents will have to work or look for work in order to receive their food stamps. Signing the farm bill at the White House on Thursday, Trump called it a great victory for America's farmers. He said the government will always stand with the American farmer. The $867 billion farm bill also legalizes production of hemp. Now, some people get confused but hemp is part of the cannabis family, but totally different from marijuana. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just in case you're wondering. News brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An Orlando police officer regrets using what he calls unbelievably hateful language. That's what Robert Shellhorn said yesterday at an arbitration meeting. Shellhorn was suspended 80 hours for a Facebook post last year referring to athletes who kneel during the national anthem as useless savages and overpaid thugs. 
Shellhorn is trying to get that suspension overturned, and he claims the post was part of an emotional outburst following the shooting death of a fellow officer, Deborah Clayton. No excuse. Got to be careful what you post. (laughs) In other news, a new report's out claiming Americans will drink twice as much over the holidays as they do any other time of the year. I believe that's because there's a lot of extra socializing. Oh, yeah. Most popular holiday drinks, eggnog, spiked coffee, Christmas beers, and cider. So um, I co-host the Florida Roundtable, which Mm -hmm. is syndicated across Florida on the weekends. And we interviewed a guy who wrote a book on uh, um, drinking with St. Nick is what it's called. And it has (laughs) different drinks for every day. Of Christmas for all oh, days like of the an month. Advent drink calendar. I love yes. it. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and it was stuff related to the saints and Christmas, different Christmas things. Wow. Okay. So you could, you could uh, do some damage now, <laughs> over I know the holidays. We're talking about, and it probably will happen tonight, the government shutting down. And I've had people who are very, very concerned. What about Santa? Will NORAD still be tracking Santa next week? Oh, that's, I did not think about that. And yes, he will. USA Today has reported that the Defense Department budget for this year is already approved. Yeah, It's already been signed by the president. That means NORAD will not be affected by a shutdown. The operation is centered at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado and uses corporate sponsors as well as volunteers. The Santa Tracker will go live for the 63rd year on Christmas Eve. A stalemate over a border wall thing with Mexico may lead to a shutdown tonight. I don't know if you've heard that. (laughs) Today is Ugly Christmas Sweater Day, a national day. You can call it bad taste for a good cause, if you will. People behind the celebration partner with the Save the Children organizations to make the world better with a sweater campaign. It's a celebration that started back in 2011 and encourages you to wear a hideous sweater the third Friday in December and... Also, go online and donate to Save the Children. The ugly Christmas sweater thing has really gotten popular oh, yes. the past few years. Very much taken off in a big way. You no, know, another thing that's gotten popular, I've noticed this year for Christmas stuff, is a lot of Christmas stuff has unicorns on it. Have you noticed that? Unicorns and pineapples. Yeah, I don't know why. It's, it's weird. I'm like, what, is you, what does a unicorn have to do with Christmas? But there's a lot of Christmas... Items you can get at the store now, and I have a unicorn on it. It's like the new Christmas thing. I don't yeah, know. I'll look into that for you, Yaffe. I know that's really plexing you. <laughs> um, you can save yourself a little time this morning. Also, it's Don't Make Your Bed Day. Fifth graders started uh-huh. it from New Mexico, wrote Congress, and said, I really don't want to do that short. Just one day out of the week. So. It's usually a Don't Make Your Bed Year right. for me. <laughs> and I'll have a bud, a new expression in a new meeting. I don't know. Mark Mayfeld will explain. Budweiser is teaming up with Canadian pharmaceutical and cannabis company Tilray to research drinks laced with cannabis. The world's biggest brewer is the latest major company to look into the marijuana market after Canada and nearly a dozen U.S. states legalized recreational weed. For now, Bud is exploring using cannabis ingredients only in Canada. The company that brews Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob, Rolling Rock, and other brands says it's going to decide later whether beverages made with pot make commercial sense. Mark Mayfield, NBC News Radio. I'll have a Bud with Bud and Bud. <laughs> I don't know. Because the alcohol wasn't enough. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> we need w- marijuana in there. WFLA <laughs> News Time 739. I'm Melissa Fox on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yaffe, let's go ahead and keep this thing going, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> and we will. We got the Sound Judgment Game coming up next, giving away a great prize worth a lot of money. Tony Bennett tickets. Still giving that. I think will be probably your last chance to win. I'm not sure if we're giving it away next week. 
So you'll want to call 407-916-5400. The sound judgment question has to do with a famous Christmas movie. We'll get to that. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And it is time for the sound judgment game where you can win a great prize. And of course, Stephanie is here to tell you what that prize is. Yes, and today we have an awesome pair of tickets to see Tony Bennett Saturday, March 23rd, the Dr. Phillips Center of the Performing Arts. Tickets are on sale now. All right, and I recently saw a show there not too long ago. I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas performed by the Orlando Philharmonic, which was a really nice show. So it's a really nice place to see a show. Definitely a good place to see uh, Tony Bennett. So you'll definitely be happy with those tickets. So one of the best Christmas movies of all time, in my opinion, is Home Alone. Well, Google put out a great commercial this year of the character Kevin McAllister, who is now an adult, being in the home alone. They're promoting their Google Home thing. I want you to listen to this commercial, which is really funny. You have to go watch it, by the way, too. Don't just listen to it. Go watch it later. Then use your sound judgment to tell me what year Home Alone first came out in theaters. Here it is. Mom? Dad? Hey, Google, what's on my calendar today? You have one event called House to Yourself. Oh, yeah. Google, add aftershave to my shopping list. Hey, Google. Remind me to clean these sheets later. Okay, I'll remind you. Ah. What do I owe you? Looks like you paid online. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Okay, cool. Hey, Google, turn down the temperature two degrees. (laughs) Hey, Google, begin Operation Kevin. Operation Kevin underway. Gotta get out of here before somebody sees us. And it says, Google will do it for you. So, great funny commercial. Go watch it on YouTube later or something. All right, the sound judgment question. What year did Home Alone come out in theaters? Let's go to line three. Line three, what year? Hello, line three? 1989. No, no, very close. No, that is incorrect, though. Let's go to line two. Line two, what year did it come out in theaters in the U.S.? 1980, 1990. 1990 is right. Oh, my God. Came out November 16th, 1990. I I was thinking it was before my granddaughter was born. Yep, because my granddaughter had Oh, my God. Oh, wanted... excited about Tony I, Bennett? I won a year ago. I won a year ago for the Trans-Siberian exactly a year ago. To the day? Well, no, not to the day. It was oh. last December when you were giving away the tickets for the Trans-Siberian. Oh, well, well congratulations. Oh. Look at that. Oh, you got another God. great prize this year. A good guess. Oh, my God. You <laughs> said it was close, so. Oh, thanks so much. I listen to you guys all the time. Oh. I have a bad cold. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, I hope you feel better. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Sonia Rivera. I'm calling from Orlando. Sonia. Well, it sounds like you're excited to go see Tony Bennett. Yes. Yes, I am. All right. 
Well, congratulations on that. I will put you on hold, and Stephanie will tell you I can get those tickets, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. All right. So I found out this year, by the way, Tom Benson, that my girlfriend has never seen Home Alone. Is that right? Wow. Like, she's seen bits and pieces, but she's never, like, actually sat down and watched the yeah. whole movie. So yeah. we have to watch it this year sometime. And we'll have to ch- check out that uh, new uh, new trailer that's out for Google. Yeah, of course you won't understand. Yeah. But my, my girlfriend won't understand it yeah. because she hasn't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to get her to watch that. Now, one of the problems is the only copy I own is on VHS. What's that? <laughs> I know, right? But I actually do have a VCR in my place. I haven't used it. I don't even know if it still works. But So we might be watching Home Alone this weekend on uh, videotape VHS and Kids who don't know what that is, um, I don't know, Google it. Ask, grandpa- ask your grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, we have the Rush Morning Update coming up in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So if you're like me and you haven't done any of your Christmas shopping yet, you might be shopping this weekend. Well, one thing you could do while you're out shopping is go see a movie. Well, you actually should go see a movie today because it's Free Movie Friday. It's Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets, and it's back. It's your chance to win free movie tickets. Text them now. What you want to do is text RECORD, text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to ADAM1, A-T-O-M-1. Text RECORD to ADAM1. That's 28661 for your chance to win. What you also want to do is download the Adam Tickets app where you can buy where you can browse movie titles and buy tickets and much, much more. So a chance to go see a movie this weekend, even though the government's shutting down, the movie theaters will still be open. And if you're doing your Christmas shopping, I know a lot of you are going to get one thing for Christmas. You'll probably get maybe one of these Amazon Echo Dots, you know, with the Alexa. So what I want you to do, as soon as you get it, and program it after Christmas, you have to say, play News Radio 93.1. So you say, Alexa, play News Radio 93.1. And then it will do that. That's the first thing you have to do. Now, if you get, if you're not into the Amazon one, you get the Google one, Google Home. What you want to tell Google Home is play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So you'll say, hey, Google. Play News Radio 93.1 WFLA, and it should play it. Or if you get an Apple one in Siri, tell Siri the same thing. So those are your instructions. Right after you open the gift on Christmas, you have to play it. So there you go. We're going to talk about the government, the possible government shutdown coming. President Trump just tweeted a few minutes ago. He said, shut down today if Democrats do not vote for border security. Exclamation point. So he seems a little too excited about a possible shutdown. Shutdown today. Of course, if you talk to uh, Chuck Schumer, it's the end of the world. We're all going to die. It's just a partial shutdown. Everyone calm down, people. So we're going to talk about that. Melissa Fox is here as well. She has the latest news for us at the top of the hour. Also talking about the government shutdown, the possible I should say possible government shutdown. It's 7.59 here on Good Morning Orlando. 
Good morning, Orlando. It's Friday morning. It's winter solstice day here on the 50,000-watt front porch, and we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. I'm Melissa Fox filling in for Al Inspector, and uh, Tom Benson filling in for you. Yep. <laughs> Our top story this morning, a veteran takes the wall into his own hands. We'll have details coming up in one minute. Shut down today if Democrats do not vote for border security. That's actually what the president just tweeted a few minutes ago. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> 803 is that News Radio. Term? That is, that is, I'm a prosthetologist. <laughs> and that is, that's a technical. Weird skies. Okay. So a wounded Florida vet is raising millions to help for President Trump's border wall. Brian Colfage of Miramar, Florida, lost three limbs during a second deployment to Iraq in 2004. And he says, look, if the Congress isn't going to fund the border wall, I'll get her done. We are a, law, a nation of laws. We need to enforce these laws. We can't have people coming across our border who are unchecked that we don't know who they are. I mean, we could have another terrorist attack tomorrow. It doesn't take many people to to stage an attack. Uh, We need to know who's coming across that border. Colfage says he supports legal immigration and the America melting pot, but says we need the wall for national security. So he started a GoFundMe campaign with a goal of $1 billion. And so far, GoFundMe says it's the largest goal ever started on the site. It's the number five campaign so far. And he's had over 100,000 supporters and raised $10 million already. If he does not reach his billion-dollar goal, Colfage says he'll return all the money. Okay, I mean, he is a long way to go. Fair enough. The news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Christmas is almost here, and millions are planning on driving, and some of them may not be sober. AAA has its tow trucks ready to give people who did not plan ahead an alternative to driving under the influence John Pecchio is with the Auto Club Group, and he says their free tow-to-go service kicks up tonight and goes all the way through New Year's Day. Simply program AAA's tow-to-go number into your cell phone before you go out and begin celebrating. The number is 1-855-2-TOW-TO-GO or 1-855-286-9246. Now, tow to go will take you and your car up to 10 miles to a safe location. This is whether or not you're a AAA member, by the way, Yaffe. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so it's a good thing. Budweiser picks up the tab. AAA estimates in the over 20 years that the program's been going on that they have taken over 25,000 impaired drivers off of the road. Of course, we're adding uh, weed or marijuana to beer now, so that'll just make everything better. Mm. <laughs> Opinions consider uh, they're definitely split over Trump's decision to withdraw all the troops from Syria. And our Republican, Florida Republican Marco Rubio, was on the daily briefing with Dana Dana Perino. And he says, you know what, I think it's the wrong move. If this goes forward, ISIS is going to reemerge as a stronger, maybe not the way they were before, but different, but powerful nonetheless, as an insurgency. As a powerful insurgency that can then carry out huge propaganda gains around the world, raise money, plot and or inspire attacks abroad. So this is a police action on behalf of the American people because we're their number one target. Senator Mike Lee, who's a Utah Republican, praises the move, saying Congress never declared war in Syria. We shouldn't be there anyway. So I have to say this. I actually agree with both of them, believe it or not, Um, that's possible, because I agree with Rubio that it's a bad decision to pull out. But Mike Lee is absolutely right. It should have been authorized by Congress first. Correct. And it wasn't. So we should have had this debate years ago, not today, when the president 
besides unilaterally. So I'm going to talk about that later this hour. Fantastic. WFLA News Time 806. Drones caused chaos at a British airport. You can read about it online at our website, WFLAOrlando.com. Let's kick off the third hour of Good Morning Orlando right now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. So, um, is everyone okay? Is everyone hunkered down because of the, the government shutdowns coming? We, we hunkered down. I am we so prepared. concerned. <laughs> Do you see it? I can see it. You're just terrified. Yes. It's just, yeah. I, if uh, I, I look like 20... I just had Botox jammed in all of them. <laughs> no expression at all. Very. 25% of the government might <laughs> shut down today. I mean, Chuck Schumer said he, Trump is plunging the nation into chaos. It is the holiday. They are off until <laughs> January sometime. Is anyone going to really notice? I know. I'm just like, calm down. It's just so funny. Every time this issue comes up with the shutdowns, it's like people are just chaotic. Ah! And I'm like, most of the country doesn't even notice. No. Not only are the government uh, workers affected off uh, for the holiday, they get back pay when they come back, so then they can pay their bills in January. Yeah, Rand Paul actually made the point that sometimes <laughs> government shutdowns are more expensive. Yes. Because they get the, the process to get the back pay sure. and everything costs sure. Makes even sense. more money. All he's asking for is $5 billion. That's it. Iron a wall. $5 billion I just want wall. a wall. <laughs> just to start. They won't even fund the whole wall. Just to start the wall. So we're going to talk about that. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So I think it's very possible that President Trump was listening to the show this morning. Which I don't know could scare me because when I criticize him, then he'll bash me on Twitter. But in the 7 o'clock hour, we were talking with expert Phil Kirpin from AmericanCommitment.org. Now, Phil brought up the point that what could happen, it's kind of unlikely, but it could happen, is Mitch McConnell and the Senate could change the rules. They could go with the nuclear option like they did for judicial nominees and pass it. That way, they would only need a majority instead of a super majority to pass this. Well, President Trump, I think, was listening to our interview because he just tweeted out a few minutes ago. He said, Mitch, use the nuclear option and get it done. Our country is counting on you. Then he said, thank you, Steve Daines, who originally brought this up. Phil Kirpin mentioned that in our interview. So thank you, Steve Daines, for being willing to go with the so-called nuclear option in order to win on desperately needed border security. Has my total support. So now Trump is saying that what we need is a nuclear option to get this done because the Democrats are obstructing and they're holding firm. Now, you have to have a majority vote in the Senate to even do that. Could be hard to do because it could set a precedent that the Republicans don't want to set. When the Democrats, if the Democrats ever take over the Senate in the future, then that would hurt the Republicans. So we'll see what happens. Um, but we might be headed towards a government shutdown today. Trump says that they don't vote for border security. There would be a shutdown. And of course, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is uh, not happy about this. And he's going to use a little hyperbole to make everyone afraid of a government shutdown. That's what he said. Today's events have made one thing clear. President Trump is plunging the country into chaos. The stock market's mm -hmm. down another 500 oh, plunging points. Plunging the country into chaos. General Mattis is stepping down, and we know he has real disagreements with the president on Syria and on the wall. 
And now, President Trump is throwing a temper tantrum and creating the Trump shutdown. And Leader Pelosi, Leader McConnell, and myself have done everything we can to avoid a shutdown. But President Trump wants one. Okay, you have not done everything you can to avoid a shutdown. All Trump is asking for is $5 billion for for the wall. That's it. If the Democrats are willing to vote for this House bill, it was already passed in the House. It was passed in the House last night, 217 to 185. It included $5.7 billion for the wall and also included disaster relief funding. All the Senate has to do is approve that bill. Trump signs it. It avoids a government shutdown. So, no, you're not doing everything possible. But the Democrats are not going to go for that, obviously, for political reasons. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Do you think it's time to shut down the government that we really need this wall that badly? I have to say, it kind of amazes me how much focus we get on the government shutting down. To me, it shows how big the government is, how the government is way too big. You know, there was a time in this country where if the government shut down, it wasn't an absolute crisis because the government was small and most of the country ran without the federal government. But now the federal government is so entrenched in every part of our lives in this country that we freak out every time there's a shutdown and it affects the stock market as well. If you're a believer in small R republicanism, you shouldn't be for this. Something is wrong here. It's just another proof that the government is too big. But I will say, here are my main frustrations with this whole debate. One, the dance by the Trump administration is not helpful. If he wanted to fight for the wall, then fight. This back and forth he did just made things confusing and waited till the last minute. Um, also this whole idea, oh, well, we don't need a real wall now. We need steel slats. No, fight for the wall. I want a wall, steel slats. Number two, this was all completely avoidable. There was a shutdown earlier this year and Schumer did cave, but there was a way to avoid that shutdown. And this one, that was to get wall funding in exchange for giving the dreamers some kind of legal status. I saw editorials from the Washington Post and NBC and other places telling Democrats, look, give him the money for the wall in exchange for the dreamers. It was something that I think a lot of Democrats would have been on board with that exchange, that compromise. But neither side really wanted to work towards that. And we are where we are today because of that. Also, of course, I'm upset at the Democrats. The Democrats have much to blame for this because there is nothing unreasonable, in my opinion, about wanting a wall to secure the border. Some people say, well, it's ineffective in certain areas. It might be ineffective in certain areas, but there are a lot of areas right now that have a fence that could easily put a wall there and get rid of the small fence to have a real wall to secure those areas. There have been fencing There has been fencing put in certain places and where the fencing has been put has been effective. But there's some places that just have these little dinky fences. They jump over. They're in the country. There's nothing unreasonable, in my opinion, about wanting a wall in those places. And the Democrats say they want border security, but then say the wall is immoral. That makes no sense. 
It just shows it's about partisan politics. They don't want to give Trump the win or they really are for open borders. It seems like that sometimes that the Democrats really are just for open borders and they want every kind of way. They want it both ways. They want to say they're for strong border security. But when you actually implement the wall, which would be effective, they're like, oh, no, this might actually work. We don't want that. So they are just as much to blame as everyone else. 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 or standard message and data rates apply. Who do you blame for the shutdown? We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. So originally it seemed like Trump was going to fight for the wall, and then it seemed like he wasn't going to fight for the wall, at least not this way. And then yesterday he came on again and said he's basically wanting to fight for the wall, that there will be a government shutdown unless the Senate passes a bill that has $5 billion for border security and for wall funding. And Trump posted a video on Twitter yesterday where he talked about it. This is what he said. I'm fighting very hard for border security, so important. I've already started building the wall. We built large sections and we're fixing up a lot of other sections that are a mess. But the fact is, we need the wall. The Democrats know it. Everybody knows it. It's only a game when they say you don't need the wall. You can look at their eyes and you can say, well, they're not telling the truth. They want to try and do anything possible to hurt us because of the fact it's politics. I understand that. I don't even hold it against them, except you should always put your country first. And they're not doing that. They're putting politics first. We have to build the wall. It will get built. We're going to complete it. A lot of progress has been made. Watch what happens. All right. So talking about the government shutdown, we have some text coming in. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. One person said um, the government shutdown won't be a crisis. Another person said, uh, uh, let's see here. Another person said shutdown. It's not a shutdown. It's a paid vacation. (laughs) Um, But one person on the left side of the 50,000 watt front porch had a different opinion, says Trump really doesn't want the wall. What Trump wants is the fight. Trump is so insecure about his base support, he will all, he always has to throw them red meat to keep them engaged. Trump will never get the wall that he wants. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's always political calculations to these things, but I, I think Trump wants the wall. He's all, you know, he's been talking about this for a long time. But it is red meat to the to the base. Well, the base was really upset about this because was, this was a big promise by the Trump administration that is, hasn't been fulfilled. Now, Trump also did say that Mexico was going to pay for it. That hasn't happened either. So that throws a wrench in this as well. But I honestly think, well, here, this is what Marco Rubio tweeted out uh, yesterday. And I think he makes a really good point. He says, bill passed in the House tonight is reasonable. He says it has money for two important priorities, border security and disaster relief. So there's no legitimate reason for Dems to shut down the government over this. They voted for $800 billion for Obama stimulus, but won't vote for $5 billion to secure our border. He's exactly, he's exactly right. We got some calls coming in now. Let's uh, take a call here. Let's go to a Chuck in Winter Springs. Chuck, what's your take on this? Hey, well, I just had a thought on Trump's flip-flop on this because we got a bill that will pass. Everything's clear and concise what's in it. 
so now he throws the border wall onto the bill. Anything they add to it is clearly quid pro quo for adding the border wall. So with all the stuff they throw on these continuing resolutions, now it's very clear what they're bargaining for because they're given the wall if they give it. Okay. All right. Good point. Thank you for your call, Chuck. Uh, Marco Rubio actually uh, just tweeted in the last few seconds another really good point. It's kind of amazing seeing Rubio talk about this because he used to be pretty weak when it came to immigration stuff, but he sort of changed his tune and really supported Trump in the wall. He said, uh, one, he's really repeating some things I've said. He says, one, this isn't about the wall. It's about Dems denying POTUS a win, the president a win. He says, two, if border wall is immoral, do they suggest we tear down the ones we already have? That's a really good point. Because <laughs> Nancy Pelosi has been saying the wall is immoral, so should we just tear down the ones that already exist? Then he says, three, on Wednesday, the White House said they o- they were open to a Senate bill. They should have just told us they were opposed it before we wasted time voting on it. All points that I have made this morning as well. Let's take one more call here. Let's go to Brad in Winter Park. Brad, what's your take on all this? Well, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, put on any of the mainstream. I, I do it around 6 a.m. I, I carefully uh, you know, watch all the channels. Yeah. And they're all hyperventilating. Of course they are. They're saying death spiral. You know, he's pulling the troops from Afghanistan and Syria. Meanwhile, as you know, when Barack Obama pulled all the troops out of Iraq, it caused famously ISIS to metastasize. And it wasn't a good move. Even his general said that wasn't a good move. But the mainstream media backed Barack Obama 100%. They were glowing. So this shows me that no matter what happens, guys, for the rest of his tenure, or maybe for the rest of our lives, mainstream media is left-wing socialist democratic arm of their party. There's no doubt in my mind. All you had to do was just casually look at it this morning to see what they're doing. So, All right, Brad, good point. Yeah, really good point, Brad. Uh, Thank you for your call. It's amazing to see a lot of these people in the mainstream media who are really upset, and Democrats as well, really upset that Mad Dog Mattis is resigning. I mean, they, Mad, they don't like him. As somebody, a strong military leader like Mattis, all of a sudden they loved him? Come on. I've always liked the fact that the person nicknamed Mad Dog was on our side. Yeah, I love his best quote ever is when he was asked in an interview, he's asked, do you ever lose sleep over things going on in the world? And he says... No, uh, he says it's my job to make them lose sleep right or something on. like that. <laughs> it was really great. So I'm, I definitely am sad that he is going. All right, Melissa Fox is here. It's eight thirty one here on Good Morning Orlando. So Melissa Fox is sitting next to me here in the studio. She's going to give us the news and, of course, remind me that I have not done (laughs) any of my Christmas shopping yet. Oh, my goodness. Retailers are waiting for you. (laughs) Yeah, they're licking their chops, I tell (laughs) you. Seriously, the final big shopping weekend before Christmas is really kicking off today. Yep. Um, Stores, malls, all expected to be packed with shoppers on the hunt for those big last minute deals. Good luck. Some advice for retailer for retailers from Florida-based consumer researcher Britt Beamer. He says young shoppers don't have a lot of patience, so make sure your store is adequately staffed with help. I've interviewed over 13 million Americans in my 40 years of doing research. 
I've never seen a, a, a group of consumers more impatient. When they go to a store and have to wait in line, even with just one person ahead of them, they go ballistic. <laughs> Beamer says selection on items such as apparel continues to be strong heading into the shopping home stretch. Not so good, though, for high-tech items, including computers. You may end up wrapping a rain check slip in a box, Yaffe. Okay. <laughs> just- so I'm not... I mean, I'm patient. You kind of pointed at me there. But well, I'm I was just saying millennials. I see a lot of it. You, you, you term yourself a millennial. I don't really think you are representative of that group. But uh, I get well. I mean, I'm part of the age range, but yeah, I get annoyed when people get impatient because it's like you can't wait in line for exactly. Uh, what, what do you got so important? <laughs> Apparently something. News brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Magic will have their best player and a new father back in their lineup tonight. Nikola Vucevic rejoined the team for practice yesterday ahead of tonight's game, which is in Chicago. He missed Wednesday's game after his wife gave birth on Monday to their first child, a boy uh, named Philip. Yes, that's a good excuse. Oh, he's only been a dad for a few days, Yaffe. But already he <laughs> says it's the best feeling ever. Yeah. Now, elsewhere, artists apparently they do want to play the Super Bowl halftime show after all. I mean, it was like, nobody, no, no. But we've got somebody else. But it's life I cannot change. In the deep off in the main. That's, what? Uh, that's Travis Scott. I, I didn't understand a word he just said. Not at all. <laughs> TMZ is reporting that the rapper Travis Scott is going to be joining Maroon 5 at the Super Bowl halftime stage. They're also talking with uh, Cardi B, big boy of Outkast, nobody that you know. <laughs> this is correct. <laughs> There's been a lot of backlash because the Super Bowl will be in Atlanta on February 3rd, um, and they just passed right over Atlanta rappers and artists and such. Oh, really? and I've never known that to be a prerequisite for the Super Bowl. Oh, we're having it here in Miami. We must use people based out of Miami I, or I, whatever. You know? I've never heard that either. But You know, I don't understand why they don't have country singers. Mm-hmm. They, they never have Country is like the most listened to genre. I think in, they cover that with NASCAR. I guess. Woo woo. But it's it's one of the it's I think it's the most listened to genre of music in the US and they never have country performances at I, the Super Bowl. I would prefer they had speed metal. I mean I would prefer that over kick and all that. So uh Will Ferrell, John C. Riley back on the screen, a movie opening Christmas Day. Um maybe you've heard about it. It's a spoof, Holmes and Watson, huh? Sherlock oh, Holmes yeah. and uh, Dr. Watson should be a lot of fun. Will Ferrell promises that he'll have some smart jokes, pure slapstick, and jokes that will make you blush. If it's as funny as Anchorman or Talladega Nights, I will Step go Brothers see it. was pretty good, too. You had to give me that one. And Alaska, moving toward being the first place in America to let people smoke or consume cannabis at state-licensed dispensaries. Do you believe that? What they uh, would have to do, the retailers would apply for what Alaska calls an on-site consumption endorsement, basically like a reefer bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the local government can approve or deny, um, but Alaska's Department of Law is going to review it and maybe revise it a little bit. And who knows, in a couple, six weeks, we'll see what happens there. Marijuana is going to be everywhere soon in yeah. my lifetime. Yeah. WFLA News place. Time, 839. I'm Melissa Fox. Smoke, uh, smoke them if you got them. News Radio <laughs> 93.1 WFLA. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I sounded like an old grumpy man there. You sure didn't did. I? Yeah, curmudgeon. I'm supposed to be a millennial. It's still I'm going like, to be a hindrance, though, to people who are looking for jobs because employers won't risk the uh, liability. Well, yeah. And, and on a federal level, That's it's true. still illegal.
regardless. Yeah. So even if it's press yeah. in the state, it's still very sketchy. So anyway, thanks for chiming in there, Tom Benson from the Cheap Seats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Melissa Fox. I'm out. It's time to continue. Good morning, Orlando. All right. Thanks, <laughs> Melissa. So yesterday I was talking about Trump wanting to pull troops out of Syria and ordering actually pulling troops out of Syria. He's now lost his defense secretary over that. It seems like well, a lot of people didn't hear my complete take because we had uh, tornado warnings beep, and all of that beep. stuff <laughs> and <laughs> ES signals. So I have to talk about it again. And there's been some updates on this as well. So we'll get to that next. And I want to get to the bigger picture when it comes to the whole Syria policy, the bigger picture that a lot of people are really not talking about. So we'll get to that next. And we have Orlando's news, weather and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFL. So yesterday, the big story of the morning, if you were listening to us other than the weather and the tornado warnings, was the fact that President Trump has decided to pull troops out of Syria. There are about 2,000 troops there now, ground troops there now. And he's decided, he put out in a tweet, he says, ISIS is defeated and it's time to bring the troops home. And he stood by that. Now, this had some ramifications because Secretary Mattis, who I really like, Mad dog Mattis um, has resigned. And one of the reasons he resigned was disagreement over that. Now I have to say, I disagree with the president as well. I know a lot of people in this audience really support the president on this. We had some callers on that yesterday. So I thought I would go over why I think this is a bad move by the president. And then we're going to get to the big picture though, of all of this that not a lot of people are talking about. So the first thing I have to say of why this is a mistake to pull out of Syria is ISIS is not defeated. Yes, they did have a lot of territory there. They controlled a lot of land there at one point. They called it the caliphate. And we did basically decimate all ISIS in those areas. We got rid of their territorial gains. Trump, President Trump and our U.S. military deserve a lot of credit for that. Trump promised he was going to decimate ISIS there and he has. And it's good. But ISIS is not defeated. In fact, there are reports right now that there are more than 30,000 fighters, ISIS fighters, left in Syria and Iraq. 30,000. That is not ISIS being defeated. They're underground and they're trying to do an insurgency, but they are still there and they are not defeated. You know, I want to put this in perspective as well. When Obama decided to leave Iraq in 2011, there were only around 700 al-Qaeda fighters left. That's it. After we left Iraq in 2007. Do we remember what happened after that? We left Iraq too early in 2011 under Obama and it turned into a disaster. ISIS came up. A lot of people said, oh, it's just the JV team. It's not a big deal. They came up and they basically created a caliphate in that area. That was starting from just 700 Al-Qaeda fighters. Now, today, there are 30,000 ISIS fighters in that region. It's a disaster. It's going to be a problem if we leave. Now, another reason why I'm against this is this was one war where we were actually winning. Yes, believe it or not, even with the minimal troop presence, we were winning. We decimated their territorial gains and we were decimating them, even the insurgency underground. But there was still more work to do. Like I said, Trump deserves credit for a lot of that has been done, but the fight is not over. Now, the other problem with leaving too soon is the vacuum that it leaves behind, which I just mentioned earlier. It will either be filled by ISIS, Russia, Turkey, 
or Iran. Now, remember the whole Khashoggi thing. Trump said we can't be as tough on Saudi Arabia because we need them. We need them to be a counterbalance against Iran. So Iran's such a big threat that we have to be nice to Saudi Arabia, but apparently they're not as big of a threat that we can leave Syria now. Now, President Trump did say that, oh, well, other people will fight ISIS for us, like Russia. Russia is not going to fight ISIS for us. Russia, actually, what they do is they let ISIS do a lot of their thing. They leave them alone. They have in the past. This idea that they're going to crush ISIS for us is not true. And if Turkey takes over the area, they're going to decimate our allies, the Kurds. The Kurds are scared, and a lot of Christian groups in that area are scared as well. They're scared because of ISIS. They're scared because of, uh, because of Iran. They're scared because of Turkey, because all of those things are Islamists, and they don't want the Christian groups there. So the Kurds are scared, and the Christians in that area are scared. And if you think Russia is going to take care of ISIS, they don't care about ISIS. Trust me. They care about other things in the region. So that is basically the big reason why I think we should not leave now. There are many other reasons. The fact is, Secretary Mattis didn't want us to leave. Military leaders didn't want us to leave. And a lot of Republicans make good points that now is not the time to leave. That being said, there is one criticism by some conservatives and Republicans about what we were doing in Syria that is true. That makes a lot of sense. It's a good point. I'm going to bring it up next. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Yes, it is winter solstice day, and it is almost Christmas, just a couple days away till Christmas. And I won't see you before then, so I want to wish everyone listening right now a Merry Christmas. And I will be back here behind the microphone the day after Christmas, but I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas uh, vacation and Santa gives you all the gifts that you want. And maybe Santa will give Trump the wall. Who knows? Uh, that, that would be good. <laughs> so we've been talking about what's going on in Syria, and I just listed everything of why I'm against Trump pulling troops out of Syria. But there is one criticism that I've heard from some conservatives and Republicans that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I'm going to play some audio here from one of my, he has now become one of my favorite political commentators. He's great. He's an editor, one of the editors at the National Review. His name is Charles C.W. Cook. Now, they had a podcast yesterday, and he was talking about his problem with this whole Syria thing. And I have to admit, he's kind of right. This is what he said. It does strike me that we are all sitting around content in our impotence, praying for wisdom from the king. It shouldn't be on Trump. This is what we get when we allow the complete collapse of congressional oversight over our foreign policy, which we have done now for two decades. This is a finger in the eye to both Hamilton and Madison. This is a finger in the eye to one of the founding principles of this country. This isn't a Trump thing. This decision might be a Trump thing. This worldview might be a Trump thing. But this, this question does not revolve ultimately around Trump. Even if that position was correct, it's just not how the system works. I mean, you can say credibly, objectively, we have to stay, all these terrible things will happen. But you don't get to say it's too important to go to Congress. So he's basically making the point, and Melissa Fox was reporting on this earlier because other Republicans, including Mike Lee, have made this point as well. 
one thing that should have happened before we put troops in Syria to defeat ISIS, we should have gone to Congress for authorization to do it. That is what Charles Cook is saying there. He's making the point that what's happening is we're all kind of waiting for the king and he's being facetious there, but he's talking about the president. We're all waiting for the executive to make the final decisions here when it's not the final decision should not be up to the executive. It should be up to Congress. But Congress, like they have in so many other areas, have abdicated their responsibility. And they've just said, oh, the president can take care of it and we'll just keep funding it. But Congress never authorized it. Part of the reason they didn't is because they're afraid the American people will not support more troops in the Middle East. They might be right, although originally when Obama started this, it was more to counteract Assad and human rights reasons. The American people would never have supported that. But when ISIS was getting stronger in Syria and Iraq, I guarantee the American people would have supported that and Congress probably would have authorized it. It needs to go back to Congress we're not a monarchy where we just wait for the king to make the final decision. So that's a good point. But in the big picture, I think it's going to be a mistake to leave Syria because the vacuum is going to be filled by some dangerous, dangerous characters. All right. I appreciate you listening to the show this morning. I will be back in for Bud next week and up to the new year. But I won't see you before Christmas. So I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Tom Benson producing today. I want to say Merry Christmas to Tom. He will be back next week. <laughs> And Stephanie as well. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And, um, well, we'll be back next time. And I'll end the show just like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. Merry Christmas, everyone.